I mean, that's that's a big explanation for something that was never explained in the TV show. Dude, water skeeter, man. And I appreciate <laughs> that about you. I I don't think that's fair, okay? <laughs> I think that was a valid question. Welcome to the What's Our Verdict TV podcast, where we fashion ourselves television judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Mattson Heiner. Better red than dead. Javier Ortiz. What's up, nerds? Uh. And Ian Anderson. Some shit. All right. Today, we're discussing Westworld Season 3, Episode 5, Genre. I don't think I need to explain the name on this one, fellas. Oh, is it the drug? No, it made, it made sense to me. Yeah, that's the drug he was on. I did laugh, though, because there is a subtitle. Usually, there's not subtitles to these. But there's a subtitle if you look at it where it says genre and then it says just say no. <laughs> <laughs> just say no to drugs. <laughs> yeah, it says just say no. I was like, nice subtitle. Kids, let's remember that. That did not seem like an enjoyable drug to be on. No, but it was really cool for me. I was in, I enjoyed him being on the drug. Like, yeah, that was a, it was amazing. It, maybe it wasn't enjoyable if it was in a different context where people weren't trying to kill him. I mean, that's true. If you were like in a club and could enjoy it, yeah, yeah maybe that's <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> well, I just love like the music. So right, everything was like oh, the yeah. music was oh, yeah. just, like totally told you what genre he was having in the moment. Like the romance part where she's shooting the gun and he's like staring at her in awe for a minute. Oh, the, what is that called? Rise of Valkyrie? When he gets yeah, out, yeah, yeah. out of the roof with just this like grenade launcher. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, that's awesome. So I, had, I had a little bit of a problem with that scene because I'm like, like he's out there clearly easy to shoot. Yeah, they're driving, but everyone hits everything around him but doesn't hit him. I was like, oh, come on. Like you got to like pop down, pop back up. That wasn't my problem. My problem was they had like eight more homing grenades. Like just freaking pop those things out. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's, true. Oh, that's true. Problem solved, baby. No shit. I wondered that same thing. I was like, they took the time to show us they had multiples. Why are they not shooting the shit out of these fuckers with yeah. this thing? <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was super confused when she handed him the grenade launcher at first until it became the like little popped up and it came back around on the the uh, iPad or whatever she had. I was like, why don't you do do your own dirty work? Like, <laughs> take a grenade launcher and shoot it yourself. She's the worst. This guy's obviously tweaking out. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, Ian, but he grabs the rifle, like points it at Liam Dempsey on accident as he's like getting up. And I'm like, oh man, I'd hate to be in that car. <laughs> I thought that, I'm not, I, uh, I have to disagree with the genre thing. Like I thought that was just so weird and annoying. Like I was like, let's get back to just regular Westworld because <laughs> it was weird. I didn't get it. I will say with the with the music though, the one I'm I'm more in Ian's camp with the music. That was a little weird and interesting, but it fit because it was a drug. But the music I did like was actually I don't know what the song's called, but it's one of those bum bum bum. Um, the one from The Shining, I think, where they played when they were walking on the beach. It's Red Rum. Red Rum. Red Rum. That music scene right there where they were walking and what happened during that with obviously Liam getting shot and such. I thought that music part was awesome, just building up to that scene. Oh, yeah. What I'm getting from this conversation, I think we all need to do more drugs so that we can understand what we're watching a little bit better. Sold. I'm in. Yeah. And then film it on Facebook Live. 
Yeah, I'm in for that too. <laughs> while we watch a horror movie. <laughs> oh, no, dude. That's how you get like freaky clowns chasing you down the street and shit. No way. No, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, one day when we're not recording, remind me to tell you guys about my bad acid trip. It's quite funny. Now. Dude, you told me about that in Orlando. Did I tell you about that? Oh my God, it was so bad. <laughs> anyway, drugs are bad for you. I want to take a back to the beginning and we'll talk to our again our resident Westworlder JJ here with that opening scene Sorok and what seemed to be like the I don't know president or I don't know if they call prime minister Brazil or what what their title is there but that whole blackmail scene and such what did you think about that and does that mean insights basically running the world in in a sense or that's kind of what I took away but I'm curious to hear from you guys yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Like, I was sitting there going, this guy is... Because each time we see this guy, he's doing some shittier thing and even more shitty thing. And then... But he's doing it in such a way that you're just like, this guy's a f- fucking boss. Like, he's no joke. Like, he messes with everybody and he just gets what he wants. And so... And I love the part where he's sitting there and he's just like, um, that fellow with the mustache. <laughs> like, he just randomly <laughs> picks out one of the generals standing there. That's going to be the new president if you don't get your shit together. Like, it's just, oh, I loved it. I honestly set the tone for me with that guy. I was like, he's just getting more and more badass as you go. So was that random? Sorry, I thought when he picked out the guy with the mustache, he was like, that's going to be the next president. Like, this is what's going to happen if you don't do what I say. That's what I thought, too. No, it absolutely, he did pick, and he was very confident about his pick. But if you, like, on my second watch, I like I said, I always put up the the subtitles. And so the subtitles, he, there's like a hmm and a um, as he's looking down the line and he goes, that fellow with the big mustache. So he randomly chose which one he was going to have the system decide to be the new president. I was like, son of a bitch. It was awesome. I thought that scene just showed his power because I remember that the president was like, why couldn't we have done this in the palace? And he's like, I don't have time for that. Basically saying, I don't have time for you. You're going to hit, you're going to listen to me. I'm going to get on this plane and peace out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, I mean, he's obviously running the world. Like, no question about it. It's crazy how much power the man has. The next thing that stuck out to me is it's that the shining scene with the music and what happened to, to Liam. But, I guess even before that, when they were trying to turn Liam and it was building up to that, he asks Caleb a question, basically to the extent of, do you know what she's using you for? And I was curious to know you guys' thoughts on what's running through Caleb's head. Because even at the end of the episode, he started to question Dolores and want to know what you guys picked up for that. So I'll jump in here because a big part of this was probably the big reveal for me in this episode besides all the craziness that was happening the big moment for me was when the two bad guys pull up in the car and try to shoot caleb and she steps in front of them Mm. i think she the other one of the other dolores through her sent those two to kill him i think he was expendable up to a moment and then she showed her he showed his loyalty and she watched because if you remember when they were having that scene that you were talking about mattson where he says, you know, how is she using you? She was listening to that whole conversation. She was just in front of him. She heard it all. 
And he showed his loyalty continually throughout this episode to her, doing whatever she asked, staying with her no matter how shitty it was. And then at the end... I mean, he was high most of the time. Does that count? Yeah, and he was fucked up. And well, sure, because even at the end, he gets on the plane, right? He, The one time he questions her throughout the episode is at the end. It says, do we do the right thing? You know, I'm not like everybody else. And she says, neither am I. And then he gets on the plane. So even then, he sticks with her. But she... Because look, they know the only other person that would have said they were very specifically going after Caleb. You could tell the way they pulled up. They were looking specifically for him. She stepped in front. The only person that knew where he was by Dolores' own admission, because she said, as long as we're moving, Surat can't find us. Even Liam said that. As long as we're moving, he can't find us. They never stop moving. The train, they're walking. They're always moving somewhere. He doesn't know where, where Caleb's at. So it had to have been Dolores that hmm. set him up to die. She changed her mind and stepped in front. And then as they're walking on the beach, the first thing that he says is, can we talk about those shooters? And then she said, we'll talk about that later. So I really think she sent to clean that mess up and then changed her mind because he showed his loyalty. So one thing that kind of infuriates me about this TV show is, can we decide the consequences of being shot? Because... A few episodes, Dolores got shot once and was on the verge of death. I agree here. And then she takes three bullets to the chest, doesn't even flinch, not even a big deal, zips up her jacket. All this did was prove to me that the Dolores feeling like acting like she was going to die in the tunnel Mm. was a setup for Caleb. It was to, he has been the target from jump, in my opinion. I think that's what's going to come out in the end of this. She targeted him. She knew because she already had access to the system. All of her getting close to dying was fake because she all of a sudden, in the, it's just like at the end of the scene in the ambulance, they didn't do anything to her. They gave her no medical attention whatsoever. He was trying to, but the, the, the other ones are saying, there's, I, we don't do anything. And then, because they couldn't get a reading from their systems, and then she gets up and she's fine. It was all a setup, in my opinion, to get him on her side. Ian, what do you think? I I don't think it was all a setup because I'm pretty sure that Caleb looked down at her and there was exit holes from her back and Caleb was just fine. So if they missed the fact that the bullets passed through her and didn't <laughs> hit Caleb, I, <laughs> I don't know that they would have like thought Good that. point. <laughs> just saying. Could be. So. All right. Can we TVO this back for a second? Why is the weakness of this supercomputer AI like movement? Why is it? Why, why? How does it not know where you are so long as you're moving? Well, I figured it's because of it. It tracks you through cameras. It tracks you through transactions. It tracks you through maybe getting into those cars. That's what my thought was. It. It has like they were like hopping in and out of those. They're like they were like dancing past cameras. I feel like if it can predict the stock market, it should be able to predict where you're going off of a handful of data points. Yeah, are you heading north on this street? Huh? They're probably gonna go here. I feel like we can do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Just remember, though, at the beginning of the episode, she gets access to the system, Mm -hmm. so she could deaden that part piece of the system at that point or at least give themselves a bit of a cover and didn't she like erase wait what does she need liam for that she erased themselves from like the system too in a sense yeah she didn't need him after that's why at the end she's like we don't need him anymore no 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 no, no. i'm confused so she got access to the system after liam 
gave her access to the system, right? Correct. And it was after that that they said that he couldn't track them as long as they're moving. Oh. It was after they got access to the system. So, okay. Didn't she even have partial access before? What's the, the bodyguard's name? I can't. I should remember his name. Uh, the, that, the, the Dolores bodyguard that was with Bernard. What's Connell. his name? Yeah, Connell. Like, she had kind of partial access through him in a sense, and then she got full access with Liam. Correct. She could read the system. So mm-hmm. she, she had read-only access to where she could see the predictions and everything else and everybody's you know, core. Like she showed Caleb his page. She could see the data. She just couldn't do anything with it until Liam gave her access. And then she could see and use all of it. And so what? There's like, there's like a file that this AI has. It's like, oh, F, I hope people don't walk or else I'm fucked. <laughs> like, how does that, no, how does she, that work? No, I think she used that access to give the system a bit of a blind spot that wouldn't allow them to stay on top of them all the time. That's why. And by process of elimination, wouldn't the AI say, well, where I can't see, that's probably where they are. Right. Well, it's <laughs> now you're just getting okay. Javier's going down the rabbit hole of Westworld right now. Only- no, if you're if you're gonna pitch to me an AI that can change the fabric of time, you you have to explain to me why it can't track someone in a Uber. Change the fabric of time. It can't change if it can influence people. It can lead them down a path and set them on the path and influence things around them so that they're on that path. It doesn't change the the fabric of time we're not looking at a time machine here yes it does dude it this whole episode was about how this thing can like make people do things and can like cause all these changes and create a future and like make decisions for people that's what that's like whole dolores's whole thing right yeah but that's not anything to do with the fabric of time okay fine i misspoke not the fabric of time okay but if you can change the stock market and like alter the course of history, how can it not find someone in an Uber? You can't just gloss over that. You're giving this thing too much power. It uses the resources that it has in order to influence the world, Uh right? So it has, think about this for a moment. You have even our world today. Now this is 2058. Think about our world now in 2020. Like you said, we can track people down to within like a very small radius just based on your cell phone that's not including the cameras that's not including the data we put in facebook instagram twitter uh all this other like our dating profiles those that are still dating through online all of that shit it has access to it has access to doctor records it has access to everything else that that went before they enacted this law the privacy laws that they talk about throughout this season before they enacted those, they had it had access to everything. So it uses that data. That's how it manipulated the stock market. It looked at the stock and it looked at the people involved in those stocks and the companies. And then it said, we're going to invest here. We're going to invest here. They took $5 million and turned it into $100 million in a week because of the data that it had access to. Now, if you take away that data, it loses its ability to predict with finality the way that it can with all of it. And, and to me, that's what it seemed like she did. Once she had access, she removed its ability to track real-time data around them. It would have eventually caught them if they hadn't kept moving. But by moving, it allowed them to stay within somewhat of a blind spot because the data wasn't there immediately for the, the system. That was my interpretation of what just happened. All right. <laughs> I mean, 
That's that's a big explanation for something that was never explained in the TV show. Dude, water skeeter, man. And I appreciate <laughs> that about you. I I don't think that's fair. Okay. <laughs> I think that was a valid question. No, no, no. And I don't, I'm not saying that it wasn't. And I, that's why I was, I was so passionate about giving that full answer that uh-huh. for someone that swims at the bottom of the Westworld ocean, I was able to glean that after two watchings. Now that's all speculation. They never actually say it. So that's me making assumptions that make me feel better about the show. To, to take us on a very surface level, a very relevant pop culture reference, I thought, did you guys notice the COVID-19 mask in like multiple scenes? I was like, did they know that this was going to happen? It just made me laugh. They've actually been there throughout. I think there's been one in at least every episode. It's kind of funny. I, I really noticed it this episode. I was like, man, like totally relevant. Uh, well, and it, I laugh because, it, you know, as stereotypical as this is going to sound it it's if you go back and watch i believe at least this episode it was somewhat of an asian background i'm pretty sure every episode it was an asian background and that's pretty stereotypical for me to walk down that even before COVID 19 really JJ, their- asian stereotypes is that what this podcast is now I'm about to get even a little more left field. So I want to dive into <laughs> Starock's kind of vision. And he talks about these outliers. And we get a glimpse into what happened with his brother, what they were doing with these outliers, basically housing them in what it seemed like a mental institution, like a residential treatment center of sorts. And to me, it just made me, and this is going really extreme, it made me think of someone, say, like Hitler, that obviously was performing genocide on what he believed were outliers. But are we saying Sirach is so different in a sense where he's basically doing population control and selecting survival of the fittest, what's going to ensure the safety of the humanity and the strength of humanity? And to me, it seemed like he was rationalizing it in a very technological, machine-like way. But in a sense, he was still doing the same thing that a lot of historical leaders have done throughout time. Yeah, purging the human race doesn't, is it like, you can't do that for any reason. I don't care who's telling you to do it. If it's God or a computer, you're just not, you're not allowed to do that. It's against the rules. It's illegal. So my, and my thoughts, like that Jack Dempsey character that funded it, like he seemed really believable to me. Like, yeah, I think all of us would have used that system for money. And then once you found out what they were really using it for, I'm pretty sure I would have acted like him where it's like, look, dude, like you can't, you can't do this. You can't be this. And I just want to know what all your guys' thoughts were with that. Because to me, that was the biggest emotional and like undercord and really moral undercord of this episode. That kind of discussion through Sirach's background to the present. My first thought is I wouldn't get into a car alone with one of these guys after being told that his brother wanted to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's crazy. Stupid rich people. What a stupid idiot. Because he was in well, not only that, but they he found out about it by seeing the man having his brother institutionalized in a way and then admitting that he was doing mind experiments on him to try to fix the fact that he was an outlier based on drugs that were given to him to help recede the exposure to radiation. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, let's just go with this guy in a car (laughs) alone. Alone. (laughs) I'm with you. I mean, there's no fucking way I'm getting in that car. Like, no, you can go fuck yourself, sir. I'm staying here in my compound that my wealth allows me to have. Yeah. (laughs) 
But I'll take it even a step further because Ciroc is obviously crazy and he is very Hitler-esque in a lot of ways. Did you guys notice, did you guys, so I'm, again, this is me. I go down the rabbit hole and I paused every time they shown someone's phone on the, the subway and they were clicking through all of their data. Oh, I paused through those too. They were very sad, very depressing. Dude. There was one lady, yeah, there was one lady I was like, holy shit, because it said she had uh, recessive genes Mm -hmm. and that that. they needed to eradicate her bloodline. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I was like, that's cold-hearted right there. What'd you guys think of that? That whole, like, her, because let's be honest, yes, on the one extreme, Serac is an evil person for what he's doing and his plans, but how do you guys feel about just unloading all that data on people from... Dolores's point of view. I don't even know what to think about it all. <laughs> I just, I, I don't think that was the right move. But I, it's not like you're gonna step somebody into telling them that this machine thinks that she has recessive genes and needs to be eradicated. Like, I don't think there's a polite way to tell somebody that. So, I don't know. It, Dolores is looking more humane than Serac at this point though like I don't know the more these episodes go on like the more I'm like wait Dolores is the bad person or are they just all bad at this point point? and Bernard's and Stubbs are just kind of like chilling out through the freaking Bernard season causing causing trouble dude Bernard is a fucking moron like we found out like last episode that everyone's Dolores and Bernard's over there like do you know what she's having you do it's like that is Dolores man <laughs> Get with the times, bro. What have you been doing this whole time? Jeez, you are an idiot. I'm starting to think they're comic relief. <laughs> Bernard is such a disappointment. JJ, what what is Bernard doing? Dolores brought him back. I want. I know you have thoughts on that. What, what's your brain saying? Yeah, besides jerking off with Stubbs over there, what is this guy doing? Um, I don't think he realized that he how big of a part of the plan he obviously is. I I mean, I didn't. I the way they explained at the end of last season, the beginning of this one, he, he is he was just set up to be her her balance, right? Her yin to her yang, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I don't think I think he just thought I'm supposed to fight against Dolores because she's trying to burn the world to the ground. And I think as he stated at the end, as him and Stubbs are leaving, he goes, "I, you know, she has a plan, and I'm part of it." I think he just realized that he's very deep in her plans because. Even the guy at Connell says, you're the one person we can't replace. And so she showed, or he, Dolores, that Dolores showed how important Bernard is by saying that. I just don't think Bernard has realized that he he has no confidence. And I think that's what's really causing Bernard's problems. If you go back to the first two seasons, Bernard acted, especially the first season, with a lot of confidence all the time until he realized that he was a host then throughout the second season he worked even at the beginning like the timeline in the second season where he was himself before he fried his brain after he shot Dolores in the the hub he was very confident in what he was doing he was trying to save the hosts and humans as much as he could and then he even went on a flip and said I'm very confident in the fact that these humans are nasty sons of bitches and I need to help save the hosts he brings Dolores back as Charlotte Hale and then he's very confident. And this whole season, he just has no confidence. And I think it comes back to he is up to this point believed that Dolores has done something to him. So he, I think he's always thought that he was part of her plan in a bad way. 
And I think I'm hoping that today, after all that confidence that he's starting to realize that I think that her plan, then this is this is all my theory. I have a note here that said so is Bernard basically a bigger part? And is that comment meant to say we can't replace you? What's your part? And what's his part? To me, I'm like, he would be the perfect person to put in charge of Rehoboam once she shut because you're not going to get rid of that system completely. Someone will figure out how to rebuild it. It'll come back. But would he be the better Sirach? Use it for the good of everyone? Because it obviously could be, you know, maybe that's the plan. I don't know. That's all conjecture. But that was kind of my thought. But right now, I just think he's fucked up because he doesn't trust himself. Or maybe he would be the better Sirach because he wouldn't do anything like he's done this whole season. Fair point. Because he has stumbled his way through it. Isn't that kind of the... Isn't that the kind of the problem with Rojo Boom though, is that it keeps predicting that eventually it all goes down in flames. And so they're trying to use it to prevent that. And as a result, it's showing that outliers are the problem. Seems like it. Yes. So like Rojo Boom, I feel like there's got to be, it. that can't be part of the future answer, right? Maybe not, but I think it's all open to interpretation, right? He could say that the human race goes, burns itself to the ground. Well, and here's the crazy part, guys. I don't know if you guys even saw it because I know most of you did like the recap of season two. There's a an after the credit scenes of the last episode that showed the man in black coming into the forge because it's really kind of an odd when you watch the last episode, it shows him getting up after blowing. He blows his own hand off on accident because she blocks the chamber of the gun. It backfires, blows most of his hand off. And then it shows him getting into an elevator, going down to where um, Dolores and Bernard are. And you think that he's going down in real time, but it turns out that they were flashing towards an after credit scenes that show credit scene that shows him going down into the basement. And the whole thing is a sandy, dusty mess. It's all you can see the hub of machinery there that's fallen into disarray. And he looks at it, and he and then he sees a, a a host version of his daughter, that is, and he goes, "Oh fuck, I'm already in the thing, aren't I?" And so, and then she says, "No, you're not in the in the park. This is your real world. What's left of it?" So there's obviously been some sort of in the future, the world burns, and they even said at the end, the creators of the show said, "Yeah, that's a way far in the future thing, where he's." They're checking continuity. So what they, it looks like they've sent him into a host body. And like he was doing with his step or his father-in-law, they, were his, they had a machine doing with him. And they don't know why. So obviously there is something to the world burning. But does that mean that the whole human race ends? Or is it just the host? I don't know. A lot to think about. That being said, JJ, I remembered what you had kind of talked about last episode that this was the curtain call for the band in black. It seems like it is certainly not the curtain call based off the nope. the, the post credits for the next couple of episodes. Yeah, I saw that. It looks like he's trying to bite somebody's finger off. I was like, yes, get it done. No, I'm excited. I was actually, because I did, I thought we weren't going to see him anymore. I thought that was the, you know, seeing him off into the sunset. So I was really excited to see the future that he's coming back because I just I love that character I love Ed Harris he's so good so I'm very glad I was wrong who is who is our outlier of the group I feel like Javier would be selected for craziness and oh is that what an outlier is someone who's crazy and I feel like I'd be selected for 
I don't know. What would it say about me? I thought about that a lot today. Like what would my big redhead do not allow to reproduce purge from gene pool. <laughs> He's got the recessive genes. It must be eradicated. I All I know is Javier should read has an urge to grab an AK-47. We'll shoot hundreds of people. <laughs> well, what? I just went, I thought of, I thought of GTA right there. And I thought mine would be like, we'll drive car and slam into hundreds of people on streets of New York city. <laughs> if we're talking about all the atrocities I've committed while playing video games, then yeah, I might be an outlier. Oh, I'm, I'm there. I'd be an outlier too. No, but here's the thing is I don't think the outliers are outliers are crazy. I think they're unpredictable. I think that's he's mistaken them for crazy, but I think they're unpredictable. Guys, and in that case, I work in human resources and I have a podcast. I'm hella predictable. I'm in the system. I'm balls deep in the system. Means would be has a revelation, becomes extremely extroverted. We'll talk to everyone. <laughs> they force him into it. Yeah, I can guarantee that's not right. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> do you imagine Ian being talkative? <laughs> Just like, Ian, shut the hell up, man. <laughs> Can you imagine ever having to say that? What a world. <laughs> what a world. Oh, shit. All right. I had a couple of other thoughts. Two things. Nothing major. We've gone through all the big shit. How badass was the visual of that dude's loot of Ciroc's lieutenant blowing up in his little digital? Oh. Uh. When so the bomb goes off oh, and then the cool. fucking digital particles explode with it, I was like, "That's fucking amazing!" That was a really cool visual. I liked that a lot. My other throne, I loved uh, Beast Mode, uh, the football player turned actor with, with his T-shirt when they when Liam got shot and it turned to anxious. I was like, "Dude, that shirt is so dope!" They... <laughs> I loved it when they walked up and they were all lit up. <laughs> Like he was he was feeling all of them. I'm like, yeah, because they were in the middle of that gunfight. I was like, this is badass. The other thing is the use of so you we talked about the music and you talked about red rum at the beach before the beach when they got off uh, when they go into the subway and they get off the subway and uh, Space Oddity was playing. Man, there's nothing better than David Bowie. And so when they played this really slow string version of Space Oddity, I was like, fuck, I miss David Bowie. What a great song for that. What were the lyrics to that? Because I knew that song. Ground control to Major Tom. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Love that fucking song. I love that. I love everything David Bowie did for the most part. But yeah, I was really excited when that one started playing. Uh, so we didn't cover one big thing. What are, Caleb, yeah. he's obviously an outlier, right? So he's obviously one of these... They show him in the facility for a split second in one of his little drug-induced or panic-induced visions at the end as the guy's dying. They're telling him he's the worst, or at least Liam was telling him he was the worst. And so it's like, ah, he's obviously an outlier. Do you th- do you think he killed his friend? That's what I was Or thinking. do you think they were? Sure seemed like it. I don't think he was actually military, though. I think the military is his reprogramming. Yeah, because when they were going through that scene where they had the dude in the hood, he wasn't mm. in uniform or anything. He mm-hmm. looked like a mercenary. And I've mentioned in previous podcasts where we talked about the fact that I, I didn't understand why the scenes we see with him and his buddy, they kept changing from being in military garb to being in street clothes, to being in military garb to street clothes. So I, I really think the military pieces is programming that they did in that facility. What do you guys think? 
well, who's the who's the white bald guy that they showed in that that flashback as well? Because that's what's great question. That's what's throwing me off. Where I want to, I had the thought, is it his friend? But then they showed that guy, and I was like, well, there's more to this story that this theory is not going to solve right now. And I don't think any of us know who that dude is. But it clearly, I I definitely think your theory of him not being in the military and being reprogrammed, but he got out of that situation, certainly seems to be what they're trying to let on. The other thing that I thought was is maybe he was in the military because they did hint that Sirach did say at some point to the Liam Sr. that the Rohoboam's answer to the outliers was to send them to war or to stick them in a wood chipper and let them spit them out the other end just to get them out of the way to push them into situations that would kill them quickly so that they're not there. So he was trying to be the better man by saving them as opposed to letting Rehoboam just get rid of them. So I'm wondering if maybe he was military, came back, and that whole bald dude and his friend getting killed was because he was using the Make Money Motherfucker app. They both were. And that's why he does it. They also programmed him not to do personals anymore because the last time he did a personal, he got someone killed. So that was my other thought behind that. Maybe he was military, but the programming came from the not doing personals. Any other thoughts? Anything else anyone wants to bring up? I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm excited. I thought there was going to be. So there's only three more. Yep. Three more. Eight episodes. Yeah, I wasn't expecting everything to hit the fan this soon, but I guess there's only three episodes left, so it kind of has to. I've enjoyed the pace of the season. How long are you going to have to wait then, JJ? I guess we'll have to oh, wait you, but what, like two years? Two years, probably a year and a half. I think this last one was just under two years. Wow. I don't know that they're going to, I don't know where they go from here. I know the initial plan was five seasons, but I don't know if they'll stick with that or not. It seems like I'll be interested. I hope they do. I love it. I'm just curious because it's getting away from the roots of like tr- true Westworld where that like, It'll be interesting to see how this all ends because they're they're going to have to create a lot more to say, hey, there's enough here to keep all these millions of fans engaged. But that's yeah. what these people do. Aliens. True. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very intrigued in the future world where they show the man in black in the future. If you haven't seen it, you guys should YouTube the post credit scenes for second season just to kind of see what it looks like because it's, it's interesting. I'd be interested to see that world and what they're doing. You know what I think is really unfair? Hmm. is that in uh, the second Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, they release all the dinosaurs into the world and everyone freaks out because they're like, what a shitty ending. But in Westworld, all these robots get released into the world and everyone's like, oh, this is brilliant writing. All they did was rip off Colin Trevorrow and his writing team and, and they're praised as heroes. I just think that's absurd. Ladies and gentlemen, Jurassic Park has infiltrated our TV podcast now as well. <laughs> to that point, though, did I watch Jurassic Park, the original today? I did. Oh, I started watching it today, too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get through all of it. I got through like like 45 minutes. It's amazing. Great movie. I'm editing this whole fucking conversation out. <laughs> no, you're not. That's a really good point. You're just upset. You're trying to, you're trying to quiet us. Fight the man. Okay, the rock. I did have a problem with Jurassic Park, the original, with the the amount of poop that the Triceratops generated, or I I just don't know how they the the proportion seems a little off. It's a big pile of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, let's go ahead and wrap things up. It was a fun episode. Looking forward to next week. Javier, where can they find us? I've been training for this my whole life. 
All right. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you where you can find just wonderful, beautiful, just ugh, cream of the crop podcasts. And uh, if you want to get a hold of us on social media, you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We're going to be on Facebook Live, I guess, soon, watching some horror movies. You can also email us at hosts at whatsourverdict.com for any special requests, Jurassic Park references, some memes, any or all of the above. Well done. We'd love to have all of that information. That was as polished as you've ever been on that, Javier. I'm proud of you, sir. Thank you. All right, everyone. So don't forget to check us out on our sister podcast, What's Our Verdict, where we talk about movies. Um, That's where Javier's talking about doing a Facebook Live. Watch for the next couple weeks. We'll announce it, I'm sure, but we're definitely going to do that because we're going to watch a horror movie and everybody will get to watch Javier shit himself. It'll be great. (sighs) All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that is the verdict on season three, episode five. And we'll uh, catch you guys on the next one. Bye-bye now. Bye, friends.